0: Alright, so I know that the uh, French reformer that you've all been looking forward to uh, is John Calvin. I do remind you, he's a French reformer even though he did most of his, uh, his working as a reformer in the Swiss city of Geneva, but uh, in any event, today we will be talking about, uh, or beginning to talk about his contributions to the Reformation, which were immense, gigantic, uh, both in his writing and his preaching his training of uh, preachers who then went out to other countries. So getting ready now uh, and starting to read. But first, uh, before we read uh, chapter 25 uh, of S.M. Haughton's Sketches from Church History and discuss John Calvin, let us go ahead and pray. God our Father, I do pray, Lord, that you would be with me today as I am reading about and discussing your servant, John Calvin. May you give me clarity, may I speak uh, clearly, and uh, may we be grateful for the way that you raised up men uh, of immense uh, talent, uh, gifting, and bravery, Lord, who struggled manfully for you. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Chapter 25, John Calvin. John Calvin was born in July 1509 at Noyon in Picardy, France. Occasionally, when he had come to years, he would speak of himself as a man from among the common people. But although one of his grandfathers was a boatman or possibly a cask maker, his father Gerard had risen in the world and held the post of notary and ecclesiastical registrar. He had married the daughter of an innkeeper. Four or five children were born to them, John being the second. He distinguished himself at school, and when he was 12 years of age, his father, who was in close touch with the local bishop, secured for him an ecclesiastical appointment so that he became a clerk and received the Roman Catholic tonsure. Obviously, he was intended for the priesthood. In due course, the young Calvin went to study classics in the University of Paris, but before long his father quarreled with the Bishop of Noyon, and decided that he did not wish his son any longer to prepare for the priesthood. He therefore instructed him to leave Paris and to study law at Orleans. But uh, this he did. But in 1531, his father died and his son was now free to choose his own career. Um, I should note that uh, many of the reformers who went on to make such a a great impact uh, for the reformed faith, for Protestantism, for the revival of biblical learning, uh, had a background in the law. They hadn't originally uh, been aiming at the priesthood. One of the reasons why the training for the law prepared men to be reformers was because uh, law is essentially the, the art of disputation, and argument, the ability to uh, polemically make an argument uh, for a particular case, and these men were arguing for the truth of um, the biblical reformation, and so they they understood they'd been trained to be able to make an argument and persuade a jury and a judge and so these men were arguing directly to the common people about uh, the truth of the Christian faith, and their legal training made them uh, effective disputants uh in that um, uh, in that particular process so Often, law was the beginning of a fruitful career as a man of the Reformation. He returned to Paris. A little later, however, he went back to Orleans to complete his study of law. In Paris, he published his first literary work, a commentary on a book by Seneca, a writer who lived in the days of the old Roman Empire. But by this time, he had been deeply influenced by the doctrines of the German reformers. They made a very strong impact on his conscience. We know little about his actual conversion, for unlike Martin Luther, he rarely mentions himself in his later writings. But this much he says, and almost every word is significant. My father had intended me for theology from my early childhood. Then, changing his mind, he set me to learning law, until God at last turned my course in another direction by the secret reign of his providence. By a sudden conversion he tamed to teachableness, a mind too stubborn for its years. For I was so strongly devoted to the superstitions of the papacy that nothing less could draw me from such depths of mire. A sudden conversion, but the word translated sudden can also mean unexpected, and Calvin may mean that his conversion surprised him even more than it surprised others. One note here is, Calvin and several of the other reformers wrote at a time uh, when they encouraged great humility. They saw themselves as messengers, men like John the Baptist, who needed to decrease while Christ increased. They saw their job not as showing the world how great they were, but showing Christ uh, to the world, making him known, making his teachings known. So they tended to record very little about themselves. In fact, the information that we have about Calvin, for instance, largely depends upon what other people wrote about him uh, which thankfully there, there were people who, who uh, remarked on the life of the, the great reformer and also uh, their letters to other people in which they mention their own home lives and what's going on. In fact, uh, really the only information that we have about his marriage and, and so on, all of it came from the things that he wrote to other people as a general rule also uh, the great wealth of uh, his sermons uh, we don't have from his own writings they were actually transcribed by his students uh, there were so many of these transcriptions because you got to remember he was uh, preaching at least five times a week um, that uh, they, unfortunately they became excess uh, paper that was stored in geneva and used at times uh, Uh, Later on, after the Reformed faith had fallen from favor, uh, were used as fire lighters and toilet paper and things like that. It was uh, very sad. Um, A number of his his writings have been recovered. One other note uh, about the writings of Calvin like the writings of most of the other reformers. Calvin wrote largely in Latin, so a lot of his work is only now coming into, or some of his work is only now coming into uh, print in the English-speaking world in English, uh, having been laboriously translated. Many of the obscure manuscripts are gradually being recovered and so on. So Calvin primarily wrote in Latin for, the, for a scholarly audience, and then for uh, he was one of the, the first people uh, who, like uh, Luther, wrote in German for the common people. Calvin uh, actually did a lot of his writing in French for the common people as well. This was a big departure from the Middle Ages and the scholastics, but a very important thing as well, getting uh, good biblical material into the hands of the common people in a language that they could understand. Um, But converted he certainly was, and the event has had very great results for Protestant Christianity. Calvin was a pale-faced young man with sparkling eyes, sedate and earnest beyond his years. In Paris, he was so strict and severe in manner that some of his fellow students dubbed him the accusative case. His happy hours were spent among his books. His judgment was almost unerring. He was never carried away by extravagances or by wild enthusiasm. He obeyed his intellect rather than his passions. But his heart became filled with love for God and the people of God. Of all the reformers, none has conferred greater benefits upon the Church of God than John Calvin, for none of them dug so deeply into the Scriptures by prayerful study or brought so much fine gold of truth from the mine of God's Word as he. One of the things that I will point out to you is that uh, Calvin uh, is a man who exudes the love of God in his writings. When you come to the Institutes, for instance, you expect to find that it's a very uh, tedious scholarly work of systematic theology, and it's not. Um, it is actually from the very beginning very homiletical, very, uh, very um, almost sermonic, uh, and definitely something that exudes uh, the love of, of Christ from beginning to end, or a love to Christ, uh, from Calvin. I was uh, greatly touched by the Institutes as an early Christian. I, I um, the first uh, one of his works I bought was a little abridgment of the. Uh, The Institutes was done by somebody in um, the 1980s or 90s. I can't remember who it was who did it specifically. Uh, But uh, it was a helpful introduction. I've since read the larger version of the Institutes. um, And the banner has recently republished, incidentally, a version of the Institutes. It's quite readable, much more readable than the uh, earlier... Uh, more uh, 19th century translations uh, or even ford lewis battles uh, translation so you should pick up the new banner translation of the institutes give it a read it will do your soul good calvin now now openly took the side of the despised and persecuted protestants of paris he visited them and comforted them as much as possible his friend nicholas copp was elected rector of the university of the city and Calvin seems to have assisted him to prepare his inaugural address in which he attacked the Roman Catholic Church and advocated reform after the mode urged by Luther. When news of this reached the king, Francis I, he required the arrest of the heretics. Cop, being forewarned, fled from Paris and ultimately found refuge in the Swiss city of Basel, which had, years before, been his father's home. As for Calvin, some accounts say he escaped from the window of his room in a basket, but the evidence for this statement is inconclusive. Others merely tell us that when his room in Paris was searched, his enemies failed to find him there. After a period of wandering, he too found refuge in Basel in 1535. It was a city of comparative freedom and a place of refuge for many. Erasmus, who died the following year, was living there, as also were Henry Bullinger, William Farrell, and others. It was a German-speaking city. Calvin did not speak German. But there was enough French spoken to make him feel at home. And then two scholars could always resort to the use of Latin. And then two scholars could always resort to the use of Latin, I should have put it that way. Two principal occupations occupied Calvin at this time. In the first place, he gave assistance to a certain Peter Robert, who was working on a translation of the Bible into French. But at the same time, he was writing a book ever afterwards known in its English translation as Calvin's Institutes, a treatise of the Christian religion, Uh, though a more exact title would be Instruction in the Christian Religion. It was dedicated to the king of France, and Calvin hoped that it would convince him that the persecution of those who were receiving the Reformed faith was wrong, foolish, and unwarranted. The book was published at Basel in 1535. It was republished with additional material from time to time and eventually became, apart from the Bible itself, the most important book ever printed on the subject of the Christian faith. And I, I agree with that. It's certainly the most important systematic uh, theology or uh, systematizing theology of the Christian faith that was ever published. It's um, When I say systematic theology, you shouldn't be thinking uh, Louis Burkhoff's systematic theology or uh, anything like that. Um, it is uh, far more... Uh, in the line of, uh, for instance, uh, Wilhelmus of Brockle's Christian's reasonable interest in that uh, you have an interconnection of theological topics, but they're written out in, in such an approachable way um, it, that you really can read through the Institutes profitably, you know, going section by section And growing in grace and the knowledge of Christ, Uh, the Institutes is something that every, certainly every Reformed Christian should read at some point in their lives, and every Christian, I believe, should be exposed to it. Um, One thing to note is that the uh, the Institutes was added to at various times. uh, Started out rather small in 1535, and then gradually, as Calvin uh, added more, it came to it. Uh, Another misconception is that you're going to be hit uh, with the doctrines of grace. and uh particularly predestination from the very beginning in the institutes you are not um, actually uh, predestination uh, does not op- op- occupy even a major uh, part there if uh, there's one theme that that goes right through it and you 'll see it immediately it's uh the work of the Holy Spirit in the church um, and uh, it, Calvin really is well uh, is said properly to have been uh, the theologian of the Holy Spirit, uh, and as various theologians were used in reintroducing uh, the importance of various members of the Godhead, so uh, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, etc. Anyway, um, after spending a little more than a year in Basel, Calvin moved to Strasbourg, but to reach it was difficult owing to a war between Francis I and Charles V. He had to make a long detour to the south, and in doing so, planned to spend one night in Geneva. News of his arrival reached William Farrell, a French reformer who was already at work in the city, and a man fully capable of using strong language when he thought the cause of Christ demanded it. But let Calvin himself explain what happened. Incidentally, when uh, S.M. Houghton uses the word strong language, he doesn't mean that he was swearing at it. It's not strong language, it was forceful, vigorous language. but getting straight to the point. Um, Farrell who burned with an extraordinary zeal to advance the gospel, immediately strained every nerve to detain me. And after he had learned that my heart was set upon devoting myself to private studies and finding that entreaties were in vain, he went on to say that God would curse my retirement and the peace of study I sought if I withdrew and refused him my help when the need for it was so urgent so terror-stricken that I abandoned the journey I had planned, but I was so sensible of my natural shyness and timidity that I would not bind myself to any particular office. It was in this way that Calvin, aged 27 years, entered upon his first stay in Geneva. Pharrell and Calvin were powerful preachers of the word of God, and the listeners were many, but the two men were not satisfied that the people should become hearers only. They wanted them to become doers of the word. To bring this about, they introduced a strict discipline, too strict for many, Those who resented it, they were called libertines, practiced their assumed liberties more than they practiced Christian virtues. Finally, they won over the Council of Geneva to their views, and as a consequence, Pharrell and Calvin were soon banished from the city. It almost seemed as if the work of reformation was to end in inglorious failure. Let me make this point. One of the things that we see occurring again and again in history is that uh, when Reformation comes in and the Word of God is preached and the doctrines of grace are restored, and there's also an emphasis on the restoration of worship and also the integrity of the Lord's table. One of the things that uh, happened to Calvin and later on happened to uh, Jonathan Edwards, for instance, was that... um, These men saw that scandalous and ignorant people were coming to the Lord's table, that the Lord's table was being defiled, and that these people were eating and drinking judgment upon themselves, not knowing Christ nor the gospel. And so what they did was they attempted to uh, to say, no, just because you're a citizen of Geneva, just because you were baptized, does not mean you can immediately come to the Lord's table. If you are living a life uh, in adultery and fornication and spiritual ignorance, if you don't know Christ, then you shouldn't be coming to his table. Uh, But the council in Geneva was appalled by this. The Libertines eventually got the upper hand and Calvin was pushed out. Uh, In one sense, he was grateful uh, because it finally gave him a break from uh, all of the internecine warring that was going on and Geneva and allowed him to retreat to Strasbourg to become a, a simple preacher to the, uh, the French refugee community there and to do the scholarly work that he wanted to without having all of the social pressures applied to him eventually though as we'll see he was brought back to Geneva and had uh, to continue his work there and eventually it killed him but one thing I, I do want to encourage uh, or give a, a note of encouragement if I can to uh, ordinary preachers um, the great reformers and uh, the men who were used so mightily of God in their time like uh, the Great Awakening, for instance. Uh, Jonathan Edwards was mightily used in that, and indeed in in building uh, a a corpus of uh, Reformed theology in America that has seldom been rivaled, uh, rivaled, and yet these were men who were expelled by their own congregations. Often a man's usefulness isn't actually seen in his own day and in the place in which God uh, set him. Often, it is only later on that his work and his writings and his influence are used by God for the extension of the kingdom. This was the case with Calvin and Edwards, and I could go on and speak of other people like Brainerd and Eliot and so on. Uh, These are all people who who, uh, didn't uh, achieve the goals, perhaps, that they had for themselves in their own time, and yet the Lord's goals for them, which were different and usually are from ours, Uh, were nonetheless accomplished through their work. So fear not, small church pastor, that you aren't accomplishing anything. It may be that the work that you're doing today only comes to fruition much later on, perhaps even after your death or in the life of some of the people who you were used uh, to, or who God used, I should say. uh, use you in their life. So, anyway, don't give up hope in that. And look to the example of Calvin and being kicked out of Geneva, for instance. Uh, after spending a little more than a year in Basel, Calvin moved to Strasbourg, uh, but to reach... Oh, I'm so sorry, I've gone back uh, into... <laughs> on that... Leaving Geneva, Calvin returned to Strasbourg, where he became pastor to a French refugee congregation and did his utmost to organize the church in accordance with the teachings of the New Testament. He compiled a psalm book which included French metrical translations made by Clement Moreau and some of his own translation. This began to popularize psalm singing throughout Reformed churches. Then too he was engaged in writing commentaries on scripture and contending for the faith at various conferences. He also decided to marry, the lady of his choice being a widow, Idolette de Vorent. Incidentally, my own daughter's middle name, Idolette, is after this woman, Um, Isabel Idolette Webb. Uh, Later, a son, Jacques, was born to them, but he lived only a few days. Calvin lived for about three years at Strasbourg, during which time the Roman Catholic Church tried to recover control of Geneva. But in the providence of God, some of Calvin's friends succeeded in obtaining control of the Genevan city council, and it was decided to invite Calvin to return. He was reluctant to do so, not because his pride had been hurt by his former banishment from the city, but because he doubted whether he was the right man for the work which the situation demanded. Eventually, in 1541, he consented to return. He was received with great joy and set about the task of bringing the civil and religious life of the city under the discipline of God's word. The instruction of youth was taken up with great energy. At first, he preached twice on Sundays and three times during the rest of the week. But from 1549, he preached twice on Sundays and every day in alternate weeks. Quick point about this. Um, Most of the reformers ended up burning themselves out because of their zeal uh, for spreading the word. Uh, They literally burned the candle at both ends. They got very little sleep, very little exercise, didn't sleep well, were constantly about moving. Uh, um, They were frequently rained on and, and so on. Uh, and as a result, very few of them made it past their fifties. Uh, and let's face it, the, uh, uh, the state of health care in the 1500s was not very good as it was. So these were men who were literally spent uh, in um, the service of God's people. Uh, they truly knew what it was to labor ceaselessly, and most of them died in harness, so to speak. They, they continued to work up until, uh, or almost up until the very point at which they died in the course of Reformation. Calvin's salary was fixed at 500 florins a year, the sum being a considerable one because it was desirable for him to entertain certain visitors passing through the city. He was also granted an allowance for wheat, wine, and clothing, and a house and garden were provided for him. Wine was the common beverage of the time, such things as coffee and tea being quite unknown to Europeans. Uh, It's true. Uh, Coffee only came in uh, uh, after the Spanish... uh, uh, really explored the uh, the new world, and that was that was happening uh, as Calvin was beginning to uh, work on his ministry in, in Geneva. One of the things I must I must comment on is uh, there's a there's a quaint uh, thing you'll note about the work of uh, Reformed biographers who were writing in the early uh, 1900s, really up until the midpoint of the 20th century. You'll see this stream, and it's just they, they can't understand, uh, and they are always making ex. Excuses or allowances for, uh, or, or apologizing for, for instance, things like Spurgeon smoking cigars. Dalamore, his biographer, just uh, can't understand it. You know, this was the, <laughs> this was Spurgeon's one great failing that he smoked cigars. Or um, uh, you know, here that they have to admit that these men uh, drank wine and, and beer and so on. Well, you know, we can we can say, well, you know, yeah, they were wise to do so. The, the water of the time <laughs> would kill you. Uh, it was uh, something that. Um, uh, that you could get typhus and cholera from, uh, wine and, and beer at least, uh, being brewed and having alcohol in them more fermented, in the case of, uh, of wine, uh, had um, an antiseptic value. But the fact was these men drank wine and brandy and beer and so on and didn't see a problem with it. The, the problem they saw was the overindulgence of these things. Um, just as uh, dare I, you know, I may scandalize some Christians here. Sex is not a problem. It's sex outside the bounds of monogamous marriage, uh, outside of the the place where God intended it, where it becomes a problem. It's the misuse of the good things that's the problem. Wine is not is not bad. It's uh, it was given to gladden the hearts of men. We need to remember that uh, that um, it's the misuse of these things. So we don't need to make an excuse for Calvin drinking wine. Uh, Calvin National was not Weather a drunkard. Uh-oh, in I've this got area a tornado. 5 Eastern. Well, hopefully it's not headed here. But, in any event. Um... At best, it was frugal living for a man in his position, but Calvin paid little attention to outward display and the good things of life. Upon his return to Geneva, a cloak of broadcloth was given him as a present, of which he was evidently in great need. Calvin's return to and settlement in Geneva took place in, fifth, in September 1541. It was an event of great importance in the story of the Reformation, for he donned, as it were, the mantle, that, the mantle that Luther was soon to lay down, and the influence of his work and writings quickly spread to all parts of Western Europe. It has been well said that to omit Calvin from the history of Western civilization is to read history with one eye shut. Uh, as the story of the Reformation unfolds further... The truth of this statement will become increasingly clear. Well, so uh, ends our first uh, reading on Calvin. We'll hit uh, chapter 26, John Calvin in Geneva, uh, and talk about the, uh, the further influence that he had not only on the city, but the Reformation generally, the Reformation in France as well. He was greatly used in that even though he was in Switzerland. Um, and so on. I hope this has been instructive to you. Calvin is one of my my theological heroes, obviously, but uh, in any event, let us remember that Calvin was a man with feet of clay just like us. He was no superhuman. Uh, He was a man of tremendous talent and gift and energy and zeal and perseverance and godliness, but all of these things are available to ordinary Christians in this day, so let us be used of God in the spreading of his word. All right, farewell. Hope you're all doing well, and I will talk to you later.